So you're like the third in my trifecta of uh, sort of JLL folks in a row. So I don't know. Maybe right. maybe I'll stop with you. Like maybe you're the the summit. <laughs> oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say maybe maybe I was the bottom of the barrel, and you, you can go uh, can go much further. You're going to kill this. We're just going to we're going to nosedive this straight to the ground. That's uh, one of the reasons I actually had an executive that used to say that's one of the reasons context around numbers is so important. Like if someone just gave you your altitude, but they didn't tell you what your previous altitude was. So like if you're a pilot and you're like, you know, we're at 5,000 feet. And it's like, yeah, but at like two seconds ago, we were at 10,000 feet. It's like, oh, we're in a nosedive. Okay, that's that's good to know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's um, that's Hans Rosling's Gapminder in uh, in action there, really, isn't it? Dr dramatic instinct and uh, see the whole picture, all that kind of thing. Is the, is there anyone possibly cooler than Rosling that fewer people know about? I mean, I tell people about him all the time. No one's ever heard of him, but is, I mean, between his TED talk and his books, like Factfulness, like it, he's an inspiration. Well, I I kind of feel like he's he's the, the he's the gateway drug into data visualization. I can't understand how anyone would see his TED talks and not want to be him, or you know, pretty much exactly that. Oh, absolutely! You you watch uh you know his his uh his famous TED talk, and it's just inspiring between the methods he uses, but also his enthusiasm for it. It's just infectious, and it makes you want to get in on it. Well, that's right. I, maybe I'm too much of a Rosling nerd. I did actually meet his um, son and daughter-in-law at a at a book launch event um, for for the um, for the factfulness book, and I was wearing a Hans Rosling T-shirt, and I thought, oh, is that a bit weird? <laughs> but um, I think I got away with it. So, so it's like when you go see a band, you don't wear that band's shirt; you wear some other band. So you're gonna wear like I don't know, like a uh, a Steve Wexler T-shirt. <laughs> something like that yeah yeah so uh speaking of authors you have uh your own book coming out now what made you decide to write questions in data viz well it was as with a lot of decisions that i make it was it was fairly spontaneous if, if i think for ages about doing something then i generally put myself off from doing it um but I, I kind of managed to persuade myself that I'd already always wanted to to write a book, uh, and I joked that it was you know I noticed a lot of people were doing things in lockdown. I was um, I was making very bad attempts at baking sourdough bread. I was I managed to complete every jigsaw we had in the house and buy a few more and, and complete some and then throw them away in rage. Um, and I just I, anyway I, I thought I'd like to write a book, um, and I. I thought, well, I'll, I'll pitch the idea. The only writing I have done is blogging. I've written um, questions in, in DataViz, and I've, I've enjoyed doing that. I, I feel like I, I ramble rather than write, but it's been a good um, uh, documentation of my journey, and, and there's been a certain amount of um, success from it. And I thought, well, if I really wanted to write a book, maybe I could turn that into a book. Um, and really, I just I got hold of uh, publishers. I got hold of the same publishers who published um, Data Sketches, um, Nadi Bremer and, and Shirley Wu's book, which, I mean, you know, the two people who I admire greatly and have written an amazing book. And I think I saw a, a tweet by uh, the guy who published them. And I just, without even thinking, just sent a message saying, well, what if I wanted to write a book? Um, and he replied and said, you, what, why not? I'm sure you have some good ideas. Pitch it to me. If it's a data viz book, actually, we're looking for more data viz books. 
The only one thing is you'll have to get it past our two um, editors. They're very nice. They're called Alberto and Tamara. And I thought, they can only be two people <laughs> in the state of Israel. There aren't too many Albertos and Tamaras. And I thought, oh, wow. Um, but I thought, well, yeah, you know, I've done it. Um, and they were really supportive. Um, and they basically said, well, that's that's a gap in the market. You're not coming in at a, at a great um, expert level. Um, you're not pitching something for beginners. You're not telling people how to do Tableau really well. You're basically, um, you're basically sort of writing, you're writing what you know. You're writing a book about your own journey. You, you know, we've we've seen your blog. Um, yeah, give it a go. Pitch it properly, and we'll probably say yes. And and the rest, as they say, is history. I suppose. I I. I was unsure what to expect from the title of the book, honestly, you know, and, and from, from the cover, you know, was that an Ali Torben cover, by the way? I think it I certainly was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really excited when I, when I saw that cover. Yeah. It's an Ali Torben cover. Um, I'm, I mean, I called it questions in data is really because I feel <laughs> I'm sort of laughing because I've, I've had 20 years in marketing and, and I sort of don't like the idea, but I thought, well, I, I need to have a brand, you know, if, if I'm going to come in with a book, let's come in with something that people will have heard of. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Ali and, and I said, well, um, I need a logo. Uh, and I was probably a, a terrible client. If you like, I said, I want something that looks, looks really, really Neil-esque, something that I'd be really into, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and, um, uh, and obviously, I, I talked to Ali because I think she's amazing. But I also know from the work that she does that she has sort of similar kind of taste to me. Um, but thankfully, she's also a lot more um, uh, sensible than me and, and had the intelligence to figure out and um, to look at my portfolio, figure out the kind of stuff I liked, uh, the kind of, uh, you know, she made a mood board for me, had me set up a, a Pinterest account and uh, said, oh, these are the kind of palettes you like. And then she went away and said, Okay, I've got this idea, and I said, "Stop! That's brilliant. I love it. That is amazing." Um, and and we went with absolutely the the first thing. Um, and, and once that kind of came into fruition, um, yeah, it's it, it's felt real. Uh, so for in the last six months or so, it's got a lot more exciting. I, if by the way, your portfolio, you're coming up on like 350 public visualizations at this point, and you have been an inspiration to me and so many others because I, there's so many sort of different uh, ethics that people have with their public work. Like some people are, you know, some people are trying to make the the most optimal version of a business product they could. Like what if I could run wild at work and actually do whatever I want? Other people are sort of earnestly working community exercises and you're more over on these sort of artistic fringe where you're like, what could I possibly make? You know, and and I've always appreciated that. And I remember sort of a few years back, I had spent the entire weekend with an animation idea I had, and I was so proud of it and so excited. I thought I'd created something revolutionary. And then like within a couple hours, I was like, oh yeah, Neil did that. I'm like, of course <laughs> Neil did that because wow. Neil's done everything. But um, but yeah, it's like, it. I have always been so excited to see your stuff because you approach DataViz um, from, from more of an angle of this is like a paintbrush and what could I paint with this instead of, um, sort of strictly letting, you know, the conventions of typical data visualization, bars, lines, that sort of thing, confine you. So right. what what's your ethic? Like wh when you're thinking about new projects, where do you start? Do you think I want to look at this data source or I wonder if I can make something that looks like this? Well, that, that's that's why I love it. Um, and, and I love the idea that it seems that I sort of approach it with a paintbrush because if you saw me with a paintbrush in my hand, 
I would not be able to draw a stick man. I, I can't draw a circle without it looking like a square or, or, or joining it up. And that's why I've sort of fallen in love with with data visualization and Tableau in particular, because it's it's the tool that I've always used, because it allows me to at least kind of think I can do something um, creative or, or, or artistic. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's a mess for I use. It's the blank, the blank canvas, isn't it, um, Tableau? Um, but I think to answer your question, my ethic is very often, um, well, yeah, my ethic is very often, I'd like to make something that looks like this. So I, I often start with the the end position, the design, and then find some data that fits it. And I'm not for a minute suggesting that's the right thing to do. I'm not for a minute thinking you, that's what you should do in a business meeting or anything like that. But I'm thinking, you know, if you're using it as your design tool, if you want to have some, you know, some fun doing something creative, why not? Why not replicate that um, th that album cover you saw, or why not, um, you know, have a go at doing something similar to the amazing viz you just saw by um, by Sonia Kuypers or by Nadi Bremer or by Zach Bowders, and you know, um, that's pretty much the way that that I approach it um, for for fun. And I don't know, more often than not, maybe they'll meet in the middle um, because you you need sometimes I start with what I think is going to be a fun data set. Uh, and sometimes I, I start with what I think is going to be a, uh, a, a fun um, outcome. Um, yeah, and sometimes we just see where they meet. And the I, ones I, that meet, they're the ones that don't make it out into public. <laughs> sure. And I really appreciate that you you sort of open up opportunities for people like me and other people down the road to understand that you know, data visualization doesn't have to be, a, I mean, I call it like a particular genre. You know, data viz is a medium. It's not like a genre. It's like if you saw a Western at the movies and you're like, oh, that's movies. It's cowboys. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, no, that is a form of movies. But there is a wide specter of what movies could be in addition to forms we have not yet realized. And I, I sort of appreciate you for not only making that like a space where people can experiment, but also a space where people can, you know, understand that, you know, we're always pushing the boundaries forward of what's possible and even if you make something that you might not actually use at work, you might learn something or feel inspired to do other stuff later that is directly directly attributable to stuff that may push your career forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And and you know, even some of the the stuff that I do, I will often um I, I give the example that, you know, the first time I figured out or I, I had that light bulb moment of understanding levels of detail of a function in Tableau. Um was doing a creative um, non-work visualization. And I suddenly thought, well, the only way I can get this is by doing that level of detail thing, which I have been scratching my head on um, at work. And, you know, I had the light bulb moment, I figured it out. And then, you know, the next time I needed to do that at work, I was a lot more a lot more confident with it. And, and I do think a lot of the, um, I, I always like to give credit to uh, most of the, the community um, programs that we have, particularly in, um, in, in um, in tableau makeover monday is the the first the, the 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 goat and that's that's back again and really i started by doing that every week and i rightly or wrongly i kind of wanted to do something that that always looked different to what everyone else did and that's that's the that's not the right motivation unless you understand why that's what you've decided to do you know i i would always think um if I can learn something new or if I can um, come up with an idea that hasn't been done before, that's going to be a, a, a fun thing to do and it's going to be a great skill to learn. And it maybe doesn't always sort of come up with the, um, with the best practices. 
Uh, sometimes, sometimes I nailed it. Sometimes I didn't. Um, and I don't think people should ever feel pressured to do something different. I don't think people should ever feel pressured to do the um, the perfect uh, best practice business chart either. It's like I think you you and I very much agree. It's going back to music. So many different genres. You know, do what you want to do learn something that you want to learn do something that you feel comfortable with do something creative and if you're in the mood for it do something really good good practice if you think that's really going to help you um and there's so many analogies to, to that in other in other things um but yeah you know it's going back to the book it, it gave me a chance just to, to kind of write about my hobby and write about my hobby that also kind of underpinned my um my progression um, and, and my my sort of career and reputation and things like that. So, let me let me give you pay you a compliment about this book. And one thing about data books is even data books by people I love that I'm friends with that I highly respect. Oftentimes, sometimes they're they can feel like a slog because they're incredibly technical. Um, and that's not to say your book is is non technical, but I appreciate the that each chapter is a question, and so many of these questions I felt were speaking to me personally. So there's three in particular that I'm like, wow, like it's it's like you were writing that for me, and those three are all in a row, and they're chapters two point six through two point eight, and they are, do we take data visualization too seriously? Why create unnecessary data visualizations, which is arguably every public thing I've ever done? Mm -hmm. And when are several visualizations better than one? And I think thinking about all those things in particular, chapter 2.8 in particular, when are several better than one? That has been the driving mindset change for me in my public work over like three years. Because I remember my early projects when I was starting with Makeover Monday in particular, and I was just getting involved in the community. I hate to say there's like an incentive structure, but when you're sort of new in an unknown quantity, there's this sort of feeling like I have to show everyone everything I know. Right. So you want to put everything out there. It's it's I compare it to uh, Iron Viz feeders, where when you see Iron Viz feeder projects, it's rather than a how do I tell the most succinct story here? It's I'm going to show you every technical trick I have, every storytelling trick I have. I'm going to put 40 charts on this. I'm going to max out the height of it. It's going to blow you away because it's so much. And I sort of went from a mindset of, okay, so I'm doing everything I can, but do I really like doing that? Do I care about doing that? Or would I rather just make something that really makes me happy? And as I shifted my mindset towards the, what would be fun for me to make? What would I be interested in? Um, I actually started getting better feedback from people. I started being more happy with the stuff I was making and I started making more things because I was enthusiastic to make them. Yeah. And it's, it's all about having fun. It really is. I mean, especially we talk about some of these community initiatives and, and how you can grow, but almost by definition, these are the things that you're doing. Like in my case, I'd be doing them on a Sunday afternoon with you know, my laptop watching TV. I don't want to do something that I don't think is fun or I don't want to do something that I, that I think is, uh, overly competitive or I'm like really straining to do something better than I think other guys can do it um so it's usually that involves either taking a, a data set that that you're going to find a lot of fun and I, I I've gone with the example where I just took all the the words and songs from my favorite album and just did loads and loads of stuff or but but even, you know even if not I'll I'll do you know find a data set just on on um, football or 80s music or or just something that I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy um, 
playing around with that for a while. Or as I say, you know, I, can, I have a, a fun idea for a um, for how I want my data visualization to look, and and sort of kind of go backwards with, with that. And yeah, if you if you're not going to enjoy it, that's when you're going to sort of start to feel the pressure. That that might be when you think, mm, well, is, is have I ticked every box to make this an amazing INVIS qualifier? Uh, where INVIS is concerned, I know I must have entered it probably four, five, six times. I doubt I've got anywhere near the top fifty. Because I will do something that I have great fun with, and I look at it and think, "Yeah, that's it. That okay? There's no way I'm going to get storytelling marks for that, or there's no way I'm, you know, for whatever." And that's it, it's not me, or it's not what I wanted to do, and or it's it's not my strength. Um, so I'll use Ironbiz as the as the um, the prompt, and I'm doing it again if I if I manage to get a chance to finish it. The prompt to come up with a, a you know a bit of fun or a cool data set or a, or a Neil style. Uh, visualization and um, and just just take it from there. I I feel very similar. Um, I've entered. I I just entered Ironvis for the third time. After the second time, I started. I started really thinking about it, saying, "I don't." First of all, I really don't think I understand the rules of this game because so many times you see the top ten and you'll see a couple in there. Like obviously, I knew that one was going to be in top ten, and then you see others. Like I don't know why that's in the top ten, and you're you're really unsure of the criteria, especially when judges weren't giving feedback last year. So I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand. This year, I already had a data set I was planning on working on anyway about yeah. the uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which I was kind of inspired by the Freakonomics books, uh, particularly they talk about Kobayashi in there, which is before Joey Chestnut came around. And he sort of revolutionized the way they play the game. Um, he said, like, instead of trying to hammer down hot dogs faster, why don't I come up with innovative ways to make hot dogs easier to eat? And then that leads to speed. So I started thinking about this contest and the fact that because they have changed the duration of the contest, the metric they use to showcase who's the best, which is most hot dogs eaten, is not an accurate measure. Because when you had one guy that ate 14 hot dogs in three and a half minutes and someone that ate, I don't know, 60 hot dogs in 10 minutes, you know, it's at that point you're you should be measuring hot dogs per minute. You know, you should be changing your metric. And that really changes the shape of the game. And it's a fairly simple concept. It's not an elaborate data set and it's not elaborate charts. And I know I'm not going to you know, win the Iron Viz qualifier, but I don't care. So something I was going to do anyway. So I decided I'm going to play the game my way. And I, I did. And I spent about three and a half hours on it, which for most of my personal projects is about the duration of my attention span. When in previous Iron Viz entries, I spent 20 to 30 hours and I honestly didn't enjoy it because that's not how I typically work. You know, I was trying to do Iron Viz entries, which are long form, they're elaborate, they're, yeah, I, you know, it's a hassle. I'm not very good at that at all. Um, uh, but it's funny though, because I mean, I'm the, the, the listeners can't see this, but I was, uh, you know, I, I was nodding and smiling as you were sort of say, saying about the um, the hot dog eating contest. But really, I was thinking, what? You have hot dog eating contest? But that doesn't matter. That was, you know, you, you found something which, which, is fun and you found an interesting take and you think i'm not going to beat myself to death doing this over the next four weeks but i can do something pretty cool or i can have some fun or i've got a i've got a i've noticed something i can do something new uh and and boom let's get it out there and you know i i i i think probably it might be just after the you know the season of the iron viz um feeders when this goes out but honestly i think people really shouldn't um feel the necessity to sort of go in and, and win and um you know do something formulaic because i think that probably hinders your hinders your best work um or maybe it doesn't but it hinders my best work but then you know we I, we've established i'm i'm, I'm a little bit different 
Well, one of the things I thought was interesting, because uh, I have not read the full book, I've flipped mm -hmm. through the book. So I read, I looked at some of the chapters I was most interested in. But, you know, I think we all recognize there's sort of this balance between getting eyes and conveying information. Like, it's sometimes easy to make something that's very eye catching, but might be more difficult to read. And then there's this thing where you can make stuff that's very easy to read, but it may not be any interest interesting to look at. So you might struggle with getting the attention in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, with my public work, I typically have have distilled this down to I have one thing I want to say. And if I can get your attention enough to say that one thing, I'm happy and like I'm on my way. Um, what what's sort of your ethic with some of your projects? I know a lot of them are more art projects and sort of generative art style, that sort of thing. But is it different with everyone? I mean, yes, it probably is different with everyone. Crikey, you said I've got 350 out. That's that's scary. Um, I, I do love the way that, that you do that. I think often with mine, rightly or wrongly, I have zero things I want to say. <laughs> I found a I found a way of showing it, which I think is um, quirky or artistic or whatever. And I'm, I'm happy. And very often they say, make sure you consider your audience. And that's that's so absolutely true. Sometimes you have to think right my audience is is me if i'm going to enjoy this and i'm going to want to put it on the wall that's all right i know there are other people who appreciate it because there are people with similar minds to me i know there are probably a, a wider amount of other people who look at that and say but what's it telling me what's the takeout from that what and and that's okay i i didn't do it for for, for those guys um now, obviously, that's not the case with with every uh, visualization. Often, I, often there is one thing to say, or often there are sort of many things to to say, um, and that, you know, once again, sort of covers the the whole gamut. I think one thing about my about my book is um, there are a lot of questions. There are very few answers. If if you sort of read it and you sort of skim read and think, right, okay, let's um, let's 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 find the answer to this question. Do we take data viz too seriously? I, I don't give you the answer. I just give you lots of things which at which answer that question which give different sides to the debate um and you know usually it's based on a on an experience of mine or a vis of mine or or something i was looking into and then i you know i let i let people make make their own decisions um basically because i don't think there are very very many right answers in database i might say well you probably shouldn't truncate your bar charts um it's probably about the only one I use, and I'm I'm, I'm prepared to be persuaded on that in in certain occasions. So, um, yeah, it's really just to understand understand theory, understand what different opinions people have, and the more questions you ask, the more ideas you get, and you know that gives you a, an idea to do something cool or creative or interesting. Then um, you can do that without having actually answered the question that led to it. Well, it's really your book's the Socratic method, right? You're asking these questions to lead to further questions and to get people thinking and discussing. And I think there's just so much merit to that. And I, one of the things I enjoyed in the book is um, there's a section that shows like joy plots, for example. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple tweets from some people that we know. They're like, hey, these really, you know, they obscure information. They're not that great, you know. But on the other hand, someone could look at that and it's like, wow, that's really eye catching. And they might look at it a little longer and they might learn something from mm -hmm. it. And that's why with so many of my my projects, I will do something sort of maybe slightly trolly or um, like I recently did uh, something about Rotten Tomatoes scores across streaming platforms. And I called it shit show. And just oh, by I giving remember. it a name that might be slightly offensive or would make you like what, you know, 
I got you to look. And then you realize like, wait, you know, I'm using the the color for Amazon quite a bit throughout the text. So you'll look at Amazon and be like, why is Amazon so much worse? What's going on with this? So, you know, just sort of using like little cheap visual tricks to sort of lead you to that one thing I want you to take away from this. And uh, I don't know, it's 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 always a balance, right? Like we probably wouldn't do that at work, you know, because it would be more difficult and more niche. But like you said, <laughs> I'd like to see you get the word. Yeah, I'd like to see you get the word uh, shit show into one of your JLL uh, visualizations. <laughs> uh, yeah, now now you're challenging. Now you're tempting me. I look, I, no. I am uh, I am trying some experimental stuff. I am sure. I am uh, coming up with a couple ideas because I I think of a project where, you know how do we onboard people to their data? You know, we create dashboards and we provide them with the dashboards. But like, if you're brand new, if you're a new client and you haven't you know, experienced data visualization before, mm -hmm. you know, let's talk about that. You know, so I'm, I'm actually creating like, this is an experimental thing I'm doing on my own. But um, when, when people, one of the biggest struggles we have, particularly with finance people, they say, just show me the data, you know, and we're trying to explain, you know, we're aggregating the data and that word freaks people out. And it's like, well, all I'm doing is I'm counting, I'm adding, and I'm averaging, just like you do. But you're used to seeing that as a number. And I'm going to make it a bar. And then you can look at two bars and quickly tell which one's bigger. Right. Right. And, you know, into, I mean, you, you always aggregate, don't you? Because otherwise, you would, instead of showing the figure $1,700, you would give seventeen. Hundred dollar bills. I'm not quite sure where this analogy is going, but you know, every you you talk in whenever you're talking about money and and finance, you're talking about totals, you talk about averages, aren't you? So, um, I, I suppose it's just making people comfortable around concepts, um, and it, it it is interesting. I I I very much sort of wear two hats. You, you know, you and I work, work at the at the same company, and I'm I'm passionate around sort of trying to introduce data literacy and get people to understand data understand our charts and and be um be confident with them confident enough to 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 use to explore and, and take this information now if you were to to see what i have in in my book or see what i have in my tableau public profile you think well really and <laughs> um, and you know that's that's the 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 joy of, of data visualization in that you know you you really um you can really look at it in 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 both these ways um and the skills you learn uh from from one side of things from best practices are the skills that you bear in mind for anything you do creatively you decide whether to to keep them or you decide if you're going to uh, be a little bit more um uh sort of outside of the box but um yeah i i think i think anything that just makes people realize the importance of data um is is a is a good thing you know we, we we have to bring people along with us yeah i i am always interested to see what people bring that's new to the game from you know different disciplines because there's so many people we know that came from so many different backgrounds and things and so much of my inspiration of what i think of when i'm composing visuals and layouts and sort of stuff comes from like sort of comic books and graphic art like mm -hmm. i think about page flow and like you know, no one had to tell people which panes to read as they work their way down the page. And there's also concepts like uh, it's known as closure, which is where you're sort of goading people to use the piece of information they're already aware of without having to tell them things. So, for example, if you show the top five U.S. states or, for example, you don't have to explain to people that there are 50 states. So what can you leverage in terms of existing information, either from a previous chart on the page 
or from stuff that you know that they'll already know. So each thing builds on each other to create a, I hate to say data storytelling, um, but, you know, sort of lead the way down the page. Data storytelling is a word that's sort of become a trigger word for me because right. I think it's kind of become an executive buzzword to mean like, why doesn't it just tell me what to do? You know, it's, it's, I think it's been used as that a lot. Um, but it's, it's just kind of a loaded expression that over time has in my book lost a little bit of meaning. What do you think about like data storytelling as a term? Like when you hear that, what do you think? Yeah, you're right. And I've, I've, I've almost, I've almost gone full circle, not full circle, uh, but I, I've, I do very much agree with you that, that it's very much a kind of, um, buzzword term. I, I guess we kind of need to try and, and, and live with it. Um, you know, I, I, in about two weeks, I'm going to give a, a, a course on um, on data storytelling here at, at um, JLL. And maybe I'll do it with fingers crossed behind my best back thinking, oh, I don't really like the term data storytelling. Um, but it's 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 if it's the way that we get people to um, understand about engaging with data, because actually we use the term storytelling a lot here. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a storytelling academy and things like that. So even things that aren't data related, um, to try and encourage people in in communications and um, you know internal presentation that kind of thing, so storytelling even without the the data side of things is is a sort of more current buzzword if you like in terms of trying to improve people's um, communications and presentation skills. So I, I guess I'm just wanting to sort of try and link it back in with that. And one of the chapters in my book is does um, do data visualizations have to tell a story, um, which is you know kind of linked to that i suppose um and again you know there's, there's you know, no spoiler needed in terms of me saying well i probably don't really answer the question um but you know, uh, we, we've spoken about iinvis haven't we and storytelling is one of the three categories there and it's such a very difficult thing to uh, to qualify or explain what it means you know is a storytelling um you know lots of lots of different visualizations one after another is it literally sort of taking people through a, a narrative or can you do storytelling with just one number or two numbers or one line i think you i think you probably can and i know even um i i put the example of um josh smith his his invis feeder um from a couple of years ago um to do with agriculture and pasture land and as as a viz, uh, it's a huge long viz. We we were blown away by it, and it got great storytelling marks. And it's um, it's actually in my book. And they couldn't put it all on one page because it was so long and thin. It takes up five pages of the book. Yeah. Um, and that that was one sort of thing out of the publishing. Thing. Oh, you look, you can't put a chart chart over five pages. And they said, well, look, you know. We can put it over one page, but um, we'd have to reprint the book. <laughs> it's, and I thought, all right, all right, we have to do it. But but Josh himself, he doesn't rate what he did at all. He, he rates the analysis. He rates the design. He doesn't rate it in terms of storytelling. So I wasn't telling a story. I was just putting a whole load of, of um, sequential connected charts together. So even for someone who was so lauded for it, it's time to sort of see the other view and think, well, is that really what I was doing? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, he's a he's a very uh, modest guy, um, and and was perhaps putting himself down. But I think, yeah, I I think the more you focus on really trying to tell a story, maybe you know you're you're losing out on other things you could be you could be doing in data visualization, or maybe you're you're missing out on doing something more concise. You know, if you could do if you can tell the story with a small s 
in in one chart and going back to going back to yourself and your and your um shit show for <laughs> if you'll excuse the um the the fun you know you came up with a with a one page chart which which told which came up with one you know interesting observation and allowed people to have a look it allowed people to explore the the um the different uh providers and and um and derive the story but also explore and find their own, own stories so i wonder if storytelling is is perhaps one of the more high risk aspects of data visualization. We always talk about sort of biases creeping in, you know, both in terms of how the data was collected and how the data was expressed. And so much of the choices that we make are based on sort of our own observations, what we found in the data, what we were looking for in the data, you know, yeah. the, the chart choices we make, how we filter it, what we express. And, you know, you and I might both take the same data set for work and, and, come at it from two different angles based on our own past experiences or, or what we understand. And we might end up expressing the data in two different ways, which could lead people to two different conclusions from the same set of data. Like, um, and yeah. that's inherent, right? Like we're not machines, but even a machine would be doing it based on algorithms and, you know, inherent biases of its own. So it's like, regardless of, you know, what we have data is almost never sort of like, pure and then our expression of it is like it's it's like schrodinger's cat all the way down right like there's no way to not tamper with the data yeah and and it's all you know it's data is biased by its very nature isn't it and it's in its collection and in, in, in what you've chosen to collect and put in before you even display it or come up with the story you've introduced the the bias haven't you and i think data data storytelling it requires skills that that we as analysts don't necessarily have it, it it requires storytelling skills you know it's skills of being a good narrator um skills of being a, a journalist that kind of thing i mean you can you could i don't know yeah you could you could take sales figures or you could take um, baseball scores or whatever and you, you could come up with the story the last 12 months have been amazing or you could come up with the story the 12 months before that were terrible um and those could be two equally accurate stories which you or I, whoever looked at it, has decided to to put our own bias on, and you know, let's face it, we we know that if if you replace that with I don't know uh, political polls or something like that, it's very easy to show things that are that are um, biased towards what you want to show. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it, it's it's yet another question, right? Like, how can we ever be truly objective in anything that we're uh, expressing? And I guess the answer is really we can't, even with a shit show, uh, because I had posted it to. Uh, I posted it to data is beautiful on Reddit, which I do as a social experiment because it's always oh, fascinating yeah. to see what goes there and what doesn't mm -hmm. like, I don't really, I'm not getting any, like, you know, there, there's nothing for me. in if something hits or not, right. Like I don't really get an endorphin rush, but it's fascinating to see how like, you know, an Excel chart on game of Thrones might get 40,000 upvotes. And then someone's analysis of something else that's sort of eloquent, like beautiful and well done and everything might get like five. So it's, Right. It's it's sort of like, you know, I, I think it was like pearls before swine sometimes, but someone pointed out on there like, hey, some of the numbers, uh, if you dig down and go to the individual film level on some of the Amazon stuff, some of those reviews don't actually exist on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoever scraped this data originally and posted it to Kaggle made an error. And I'm like, there you go. It's like there's no way mm -hmm. I could ever spot check every single film on here. Someone else collected it before. And then even before that. These are film reviews, which are subjective in the first place. So it's like all the way down to the bottom of this, rife with sort of error, human issues and that sort of thing. And now, and in a way, that's maybe that's what has, has sort of led me into sort of, um, especially for fun, sort of more creative uh, visualizations, because I think the more 
almost the more accurately you visualize something, the more important it is for your data to be correct. Um, and for you know, for you to be absolutely certain. You know, if you've got well, point behind me here again you can't see me if you've just got the the um uh, the number ones of the 1980s just in arbitrary colors and shapes and rotations um uh, in a sort of artistic way of doing something or does anyone know if i made a mistake and one of those actually you know didn't get to number one or something like that it doesn't matter it's it's it, it the the audience is for some or the intended audience is for someone to sort of get enjoyment out of um, seeing things arranged in that particular way but if it's yeah if it's important or if it's serious of so you making the actual the, the point of um uh, of giving accurate figures and comparison between two providers then yeah if someone's gonna query that data then it, it, it gets like it's a bit more difficult uh, well neil it's been a delight uh getting to talk to you about some of the minutiae that we don't get to talk to about work uh this has been neil richards the book is questions and data viz which is dropping i believe november 3rd second uh second i believe although some have started to squeeze their way out a little bit early if you pre-ordered you may have it already absolutely well it's been delightful having you is there anyone uh you would like to shout out anything you'd like to promote besides the book right now Oh, uh, I'm all about promoting the the book. I've never had anything to promote before, so I, I certainly don't think I have um, two things to promote. Um, but uh, I guess what I will promote to um, to especially to the Tableau audiences, we have um, Visit London coming up. I think on the 28th and 29th of November. So that's a, a probably a first chance to uh, for European folk, anyway. Sorry, Zach, to get together um, for for two days face to face. It would be great. Um, to, to see some of you guys there and you can even buy my book <laughs> sounds amazing come out see neil buy the book if you already have it get it signed by neil you know collector's item <laughs>